Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here. So good to see all of you. We've had wonderful participation in all four of our services today. Well, no surprise to those of you who are here that today marks the beginning of Lent. When I say Lent, what comes to your mind? Is Lent simply about self-denial, the more rigorous the better? Is it about jumping through hoops to score points with God? Or do somehow force God's hand into doing something we think that he ought to do for us? Or is it simply about a 40-day tradition? Actually, none of these things is what a true God-honoring observance of Lent is about. Lent is indeed an important season if we are growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. The invitation to a holy Lent, which we heard read just a few minutes ago, points us in the right direction. Lent, when properly understood, is intended to be a time with special focus on spiritual disciplines, including fasting, prayer, self-denial, and reading and meditating on Scripture. These are all good and godly things which we are instructed to practice in Scripture. And they are also disciplines we see modeled in the life of our Lord Jesus himself. All of these are incredibly important and God-honoring practices. But they are not an end in themselves. Did you hear that? They are in a true sense a means to an end, but we must be focused on the right ending point. And to reach the right end requires us starting in the right place and starting with the right biblical foundations. And this is what Jesus is pointing toward in our gospel reading this evening from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talks about how and how not to give, about what fasting with right motives looks like, how and how not to pray. And verses 19 through 20, the concluding verses of our reading, really get to the essence of the matter. And the essence of the matter is your heart and my heart. And the question here is really twofold. One, where is your and where is my treasure? And second, what do you and what do I treasure most? In other words, on whom or what do each of us place the highest value in life? Is it treasure on earth right here, right now? Folks, the reality is that the stuff of this world will slip away from us in the end. And it is only a value for a brief season. Think about it this way, and I struggle with this as much as the rest of you. What value will such things have in the scope of eternity, say, 40,000 years from now? That big house, that expensive sports car, that boat, that expensive suit of clothes, you name it. You know what your struggle with materialism is. I know what mine is. But what, what value will they have decades and centuries from now? 
Jesus warns us against the, giving the things of this world a level of importance that really only belongs to those things which are of eternal value. Those things which draw us closer to God and help to make us more like Jesus. The fact is, what we treasure, what we truly value, will govern our lives. And if God is the ruler of our lives, if Jesus is truly our Lord, then the things which assist us in drawing closer to him will be our priority. So yes, wonderful godly practices like prayer, fasting, giving, study, they are not an end in themselves. They aren't somehow about moving God to do what we want. Rather, they are to change us to align ourselves more and more fully with the heart and the mind and the will of God. They help us to posture ourselves most fully to be shaped and molded by God. They cause us to contemplate the truth of who we are, broken and sinful human beings, and to reflect on the incredible grace and mercy that God has poured out into every single one of our lives. As St. Paul writes in Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Meditating upon the truth that God does indeed offer us amendment and light of life and genuine Christ-honoring transformation and that he makes us new creations through Christ. We're also reminded of St. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When we think about these truths, that means that some things... Even seemingly good things may need to be set aside to create more space in our lives for God and for those good things of God and for his purposes and for his priorities. The late Christian author Oswald Chamberlain in a devotion entitled The Relinquished Life says this, it is not just a question of giving up sin, but of giving up my natural independence and self-assertiveness. And this is where the battle has to be fought. It is the things that are right and noble and good from the natural standpoint that keep us back from God's best. 
To discern that natural virtues antagonize surrender to God is to bring our soul into the center of its greatest battle. Very few of us debate with the, with the sordid and evil and wrong, but we do debate with the good. It is the good that hates the best. And the higher up you get in the scale of the natural virtues, the more intense is the opposition to Christ. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh, Galatians 5.24. It is going to cost the natural in you everything, not something. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Any person has to realize who Jesus Christ is before he will do it. Beware of refusing to go to the funeral of your own independence. In light of the fullness of God's grace, which each of us who knows Christ has received, and in light of what God wills to work in and through us also, it means, brothers and sisters, that we must hold less firmly to the things of this world, and day by day, we must hold ever more tightly to God and the things and the values and the priorities of his kingdom. The pastor and author of the late 17th and early 18th century, Matthew Henry, was robbed on one occasion. And upon returning home that evening, he wrote these words in his diary. Lord, I thank you that I have never been robbed before. That although they took my money, they spared my life. That although they took everything, it wasn't very much. And that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Matthew Henry had learned to not hold tightly to the things of this world. He'd learned to firmly grasp and cling to God and those things which are a real and eternal value and significance. This Lent, may we each learn to more fully make room for God's rule and reign in our lives. May we continue in ever-increasing measure to allow his spirit to work in us his will and his purposes so that we become daily more fully disciples of Jesus Christ. And may what God does in us in this season not just be simply for 40 days, rather may it be of lasting and eternal significance as we continue to grow into the people that God is calling us to be. Let us pray. So Father, in these 40 days, on this Ash Wednesday, show us those things, even those good things which we are clinging to, which keep us from your very best, which keep us from full surrender to you. And Lord, may we release them that we truly would deny ourselves following the example of our Lord and walking in obedience to Christ. That we would die to self. That we would live cruciform, cross-centered lives. And that you would mold us and shape us ever more and more into the image of Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.